Ever wonder what psychologist moms talk about when we get together? Whether we're consulting one another about a challenging case or one of our own kids, or just leaning on each other when parenting feels hard, because trust me, even when we do this for a living, it's still hard. Joining me each week in these special Thursday shows are two of my closest friends, both moms, both psychologists. They're the people I call when I need a sounding board. These are our unfiltered answers to your parenting questions. We're letting you in on the conversations the three of us usually have behind closed doors. This is Securely Attached, Beyond the Sessions. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today. So good to have you guys back here, Dr. Emily, Dr. Rebecca. Hello. Hi. Um, Today's question was actually a text from a friend of mine. And I asked her if it was okay to read it on the podcast. And I feel like there are a lot of parents who have found themselves in a situation like this or something similar. Um, so the, she asked me, her son is five years old, and he came home from school and he said, two kids at school don't know if they're a boy or a girl. She went on to say to me, I did my best to explain that some people feel different on the inside than they look on the outside. But how do I tell him he shouldn't lead with, are you a boy or a girl? And I thought that was like so relatable as a parent to be like, ah, I want to, I want to correct this. I don't know. I feel so obligated to kind of like what I often refer to as like, I have to parent in the moment. There's so much pressure to like have the right answer at the right time and instruct your children to be the most politically correct they could possibly be. And I so relate to that anxiety as a parent and also like I have a feeling where this conversation will go in terms of our stances being like, I think there's also time and, and space to build that, those skills without having to like immediately shut it down. Like, even like this is a question being asked to her, I feel like, you know, I'm thinking of a time when I was at a store and my, there was a disabled person with a cane walking really differently than my children were used to seeing. And my daughter like, you know, pointed and was like, mommy, why are they walking so funny? And me wanting to be like, first of all, just like hide and, and you know, disappear because I was embarrassed, but also wanting to, one, help educate her around differences, but also how to then also, you know, teach her how to m- imagine another person's feelings when you ask a question. Like it's a lot of stuff. So I would love to hear what you guys think about this because I, I definitely relate to this question a lot. I, I, I guess I, and I may have missed um, what you said, although I don't think I did, but I would draw an important distinction, I think, between gender and discussing gender with kids and discussing different levels of ability with kids. Um, I've read a lot about you know, when parents have kids, let's say with physical disabilities that, you know, when other kids point, you know, or look or ask questions out loud that actually they welcome parents saying like, let's go ask him, you know, or let's go say hi, or, you know, as opposed to kind of like, well, some people walk different, you know, like to actually embrace that conversation. Gender is a new, like, it's a new idea for all of us in some ways that it's a social construct, you know, and that it's, so it's not like pointing and, you know, um, you know, I've had my kids a couple times point at, at someone and say, um, 
is that a boy or a girl or is that a man or a woman? And I've said the only way we would really know is to ask them. You know, I don't know. The only way we'd really know is, is to ask them. And it's so different than even just a few years ago, I would have responded. I would mm-hmm. have been like, I don't know, looks like boy, <laughs> you know? And so, right. um, but I think the idea of how do I tell my kid not to ask is not how I would necessarily go with this. Cause I think five-year-olds are, are navigating kind of social relationships and navigating I, I mean, I think I might lead with like, what questions do you like being asked, you know, when people are getting to know you or what, like, I, I don't know. I'd, I I just feel like it's hard enough for a five-year-old to walk into a social situation without having questions they're not allowed to ask. Um, yeah. And it's okay to ask someone if they're a boy or a girl and for someone to say to your kid, you know, actually I'm non-binary. And I, in the future, I would imagine that I would imagine that question is going to go out like as something that's in the general zeitgeist. But in the meantime, I don't know that it's a question we need to stamp out of our kids' repertoires. Yeah. And I really agree with that. And I think for me, what I meant when I was saying I relate to that feeling in the moment as the parent, when your kid says something your instinct might be, I want to shut this off because I'm feeling embarrassed. Oh, yeah. Because my ability to kind of put myself in the shoes of another is so much more sophisticated than my five-year-old. And so I'm I am always imagining what is it feeling like for this person to have a little kid talking about them in front of them so blatantly. And so then I have this like empathetic kind of, and also embarrassed reaction that I also think is socially constructed, right? That Cause I've internalized and I'm always fighting this, but still am vulnerable to it. I've internalized this sort of sense that I'm responsible for making sure my child is always behaving appropriately and kindly and not making another person feel bad or embarrassed or offended which isn't really actually my job. I mean, it, it is, but I can't be responsible for that in every moment. It's like that's my my job in the in the big picture of raising my child, but not in every moment. And I need to give myself permission to like not immediately reactively say the first thing that comes to my mind, which might be shut that question down in a situation like that. Does that well, make sense? Yeah, no, it does. And I think we learned not to embrace differences in that way. Now, I shouldn't say not to embrace them, but I, I mean, again, I grew up in New York City and I pointed to people and would say like, you know, wow, that guy has such dark skin. And my parents would say like, stop it. You know, we don't mm-hmm. comment on the color of people's skin. Now, I think the research has showed us that we would say something like he does, you know, let's talk about melanin, melanin. let's talk about his ancestors. Let's, talk, you know, so I think you're, I, I think I relate completely to just trying to do it differently with my kids than was done to me. I think the whole kind of culture has changed to saying like kids point out differences when kids see differences and Mm -hmm. we don't want to pretend that they don't see those differences. Instead, we want to explain in as non-judgmental way as possible, like, yeah, they're different, you know, sure. Um, I, I also think we're like dancing around like a bigger concept of like, authenticity and curiosity that doesn't have as much judgment, right? That doesn't have a a negative or a sort of like a power struggle in that, right? Which is like, 
sort of what you said, Rebecca, like, I don't know, you know, we'll have to ask them, right? Like, I think that just has curiosity and authenticity, like, within it. And I think maybe, Sarah, what you're talking about, I think, is a little bit, is like, we're trying to get there. Like, can we show up with that curiosity and authenticity with our children and be, because we're ultimately trying to teach them to be attuned to the social interaction, right? Like, if they ask that question and it prickles somebody, that they should say, you know, address that, right? Or they should learn, you know, a little bit by trial and error, because it's really the only way. But if they approach people with honesty and authenticity and, you know, and as much, this child's so young, so as much sort of like just total curiosity, then I think it it's received really differently. To Because Rebecca, to your point, like, I think a child saying, oh, that person's so dark is not like, oh my God, there's the, that dark person, right? And I think that's a very different question and it's received very differently by the person, you know? Um, I think that's really, really important. It's not being othered. I feel like the person who's othered feels really icky if they feel the question is about, I just want to make sure you're other, like you're another, you're not, Mm -hmm. you're not. I think that's a very different thing. But to play devil's advocate, like let's say someone is... mixed race and let's say you know they're like you know parent is white parent is black and their kid and someone comes over to that kid and says what are you right are you black or are you white I don't know that I'd want I would want to teach my kid not to ask that question even well no I guess you're right I'm now I'm just thinking the same thing like look I you know as you guys know I'm mixed and that happened to me all the time right? right there was a lot of what are you um and it wasn't lovely to, to, you know, field, right? Because it's very othering. But I do think if someone said, you know, I noticed that your hair is curly, but your skin is like this. Like, I'm curious, like what's, you know, like you don't, you look sort of like this person, but not like, I'm curious about what that's about. I feel like that feels very different than what are you? As if you're not- well, a no, but Are you this or are you? I'm just trying to mirror the phrasing of, are you a boy or a girl? That exactly. I'm trying to, because you, you mm-hmm. were saying that that wouldn't feel othering. And I, and I don't know, I, I want to just acknowledge my, I don't want to say ignorance, that's a little bit too strong, but like, I don't know, like, this is kind of a new area. So I'm equating it to that idea where a kid who let's say is non-binary or trans might feel shitty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, again, I think it's like, it's about the asking. I think the better we get about the way it's asked, right. Or the tone and the sort of interpersonal dyad that comes up in that. Cause I think, you know, there's there's so much to that and maybe maybe it's maybe it is about us progressing as a society to a place where it, you know the that that's not automatically thought as not a good thing to be mixed or not a good thing to be non-binary like that's the underlying sort of like thing that we're worrying about is a you know uh, making you know touching upon something that's already a little bit raw right but i think ultimately too what i keep coming back to is like who is asking this question and on behalf of who, right? Like this is a parent whose child asked a question and the parent is interpreting that question as offensive, not the person who received the question, but the parent Mm -hmm. and is then feeling embarrassed or feeling pressure to teach their child to say the right thing. And Emily, like when you, you know, your example of like, if a kid said to another person, um, 
you know, what are you versus like, I noticed that your hair is different texture than, you know, my mom's hair. Like what can, how, how does that work? That's not what kids actually say unless they've been taught to sort of speak that way. Right. So it's like, we get there iteratively as a parent in our kids, probably going to say something and it really doesn't even matter what the topic is. Our kid is going to put their foot in their mouth a lot of times and we are going to be super embarrassed because we understand that what they said was not a socially appropriate question for us adults to say, and maybe is actually a really appropriate question developmentally for a five-year-old to say, but we are feeling all the feelings of all the grownups in the space or what the, ch- or child too. Right. But like we're this adult person reading a situation and assigning a lot of meaning to it that that five-year-old most certainly is not. And so it's like, we're not going to be able to get to a place where we can help a five-year-old imagine the other person's feelings before they ask the question until they've said the wrong thing, quote, wrong thing. And we have to help them kind of figure out why that might hurt someone's feelings or why that might be taken the wrong way or how, what are you really trying to ask? How do we get there better? But it's going to be a process of like kind of messy. They're going to say stuff that we might be really embarrassed about a bunch of times. So I think this is where I'm going to call, like, call out the fact that we are three, you know, cis women, but like, and I don't, you know, like, I just don't know that we have the expertise to answer this question because I think there's education that some people would suggest that's like, well, you would say to your kid, you know, there's more than two options. You know, it used to be that we would ask if someone is a boy or a girl, because it used to be that that's, we thought those were the only two ways to be. It turns out you could be mostly a girl and a little bit, you know, like I I just, and again, I've read a few things. I, I would never claim to be an expert, but I just, I'm not sure we're the three best people to be addressing this question, or at least addressing this question without the input of someone who just knows a lot more about this field and, and how they would in some ways prefer that, we, you know, I, I just feel like we're making a lot of assumptions based on a knowledge base and a lived experience that we don't have. Yeah. I think that's super fair. I really do. I also think I, there's, we may not have the knowledge base to answer this question specifically in terms of like, what is the appropriate question to ask a child who's non-binary? or who isn't identifying as a boy or a girl or has an ambiguous way of presenting their gender, right? But I think there's other questions in this question, right? That we are in a place to share insight into, which is moving out of the context of the particular question being in this case about gender identity and kind of in more globally when your child says something that breaks a societal norm or could offend a person who's receiving the question and having some understanding of like, okay, I'm able to notice in this moment, I, the parent, am feeling embarrassment or anxiety or worry um, or all kinds of other feelings. And also how do we help our kid in that moment without shutting them down or getting mad at them, or making them feel ashamed that they said the wrong thing, whatever it is. Like, 
I also think like it's a nice reminder though. I think these quote unquote mistakes are a nice reminder of like, oh, I don't know what they don't know. Like I should be talking, I we should be talking more about, you know, gender or we should be talking more about race or we should be really talking about socioeconomic status and why, you know, I just think you don't know what your kids don't know and you're not sort of always going through a list of all the things of your values to try to go through and review with them in a very pedantic way. So I think, I think you could, this, you know, this, this person who's friend of yours who asked this question, it's also just a nice reminder of like, let's have an open conversation about this, right? Like how does our family think about these things and what are our values? And, and I think that's okay to your point, Sarah, to sort of make mistakes, quote unquote, in order to sort of elicit really healthy, productive conversations that you might not otherwise have, right? Because your child has it hasn't come to your hasn't been dropped at your feet like that, like this child has, you know. And just to be aware that, well, like I, you know, I'm conscious now, and it's difficult, and I, which is just fascinating in and of itself. Like when I hear that someone is pregnant, not asking if it's a boy or girl. Hmm. And that's fat, like, and that's a question that, you know, and that's, that's, that's something that five years ago, I wouldn't have thought twice about. I'm not saying if you ask that it's bad. It's mm-hmm. just, it's a bind. it's gender binary and society, at least where, you know, we live is, seems to be moving away from that. It was interesting. My, my son the other day, who's, um, he plays bass and sings and whatever. And he was practicing, um, singing, don't stop believing the journey song. So, you know, it's like just a small town girl. And he stopped and he goes, what would be a non-binary way of saying that? Would it be like just a small town kid? He's like, but that doesn't work because I don't know that it's about a kid. Like, and it was like just, and it was fascinating. And it was clearly from his own lived experience. I mean, that's not something that would have occurred to me in a million years. And one of the things I said was like, you know, it might be a girl, Right. right. Like it's not that girls and like, so it's the whole conversation is so yeah. fascinating. Yeah. Um, right. And I think we're all kind of learning, which is why I would just encourage like this person who asked the question, it's a great question. Like, let's keep reading and learning. And like, I don't, you know. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think for me, it's like, there's two pieces to this. And one is helping teach that curiosity, authenticity, that open stance, like that Emily was talking about, but also teaching theory of mind, right? Teaching a child to imagine what might it feel like to be asked that question, you know, because that I think gets to that place of the source of most parents' anxiety in those moments. It's not, what is the right answer to this question? It's what is the this going to, what is my child hurting someone's feelings by asking this? And I feel bad about that. Um, and, and most parents, I think have a lot of anxiety about their child hurting other people's feelings. And I think sometimes that anxiety can get in the way of a really awesome opportunity to like teach something much bigger than that, which, you know, goes, you know, same reason I don't necessarily encourage parents to be like, you have to share your toy, give it back to them, you know, like to be like, Hey, how do you think it seems like they want it right now? What, who you want it to like, what do we do? Like, it's less about the fixing the problem quote of like making everybody happy and not, not having anyone have hurt feelings, but to 
build that ability to like imagine another person's experience. And not even like, so there's the the issue of the content of the question and how do we help a child kind of be curious in a way that is teaching some sort of expanded view of the world, which is great. And the other is how do I picture the feeling on the other side of that question for the person who received it, which is a skill. It's just a skill about, and it's a useful life skill to imagine someone else's experience. I feel like, you know, this is a really complicated question. It, despite its apparent simplicity, it's it's really complicated as evidenced by this, you know, this conversation. But I really do, I appreciate your, both of your willingness to kind of look at this from so many different angles and be okay with us not necessarily coming to a direct conclusion about the answer. You know, maybe the the answer to the question is, we don't have that answer and we have to ask someone who may have more insight into it. So perhaps there'll be a follow-up episode to kind of keep this conversation going with a guest, a guest person who could talk more to it. Because Rebecca, I think you bring up a really good point. Like, how do we, how do we give parents support? And also sometimes that means how do we direct them to the right resources versus always thinking we have the answers to everything. So I appreciate that. And I appreciate you guys being here and I'll talk to you soon. It's always such a pleasure. Thank you, Sarah. And Emily. Bye guys. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. As you can hear, parenting is not one size fits all. It's nuanced and it's complicated. So I really hope that this series where we're answering your questions really helps you to cut through some of the noise and find out what works best for you and your unique child. If you have a burning parenting question, something you're struggling to navigate, or a topic you really want us to shed light on or share research about, we want to know. Go to drsarahbrenn.com forward slash question to send in anything that you want Rebecca, Emily, and me to answer in this new series, Securely Attached Beyond the Sessions. That's drsarahbrenn.com forward slash question. And check back for a brand new Securely Attached next Tuesday. And until then, don't be a stranger.